study about teenagers. Now, if you remember anything about your pastor, I absolutely love teenagers. I just do. I think they're a great age group. Uh, they just, you know, they, they've got the world by the tail and nothing seems too, uh, too hard or too ridiculous for them. Uh, it, it is just a joy. Why, one of the reasons why they do such crazy things like at camp and, and activities that we do, I mean, there is the, the newest, uh, what is that thing called, you know, that uh, we slide across on the cable? Zip line that they had down at the uh, wilds uh, when we went last summer. It is at its peak, 350 feet high. You're sitting in a, you know, in a piece of, of you know, in whatever kind of that canvas strap that is or whatever. Probably nylon, I would guess. Strap tied to a wire and hanging 350 feet out in the, in the middle of the air, and you're going to go 450 feet across this thing, and many of you would never have the courage to do it, and teenagers are lining up by the hundred, just waiting to go across. That's what it is to be a teenager. I love that age group. It's so much fun. In the scripture, name for me a, a teenager who did something phenomenal. David, obviously. That's one of the first ones that should come to mind. David, while he was a teenager, not only, by the way, we always say he killed a giant, and he did, but not only, but he also killed a lion and a bear. I mean, David, wow, David was a, a brave, courageous young man, uh, and uh, while he was a teenager, God used him in phenomenal ways. Name another teenager in the Bible that did something phenomenal. Daniel. Daniel was a teenager when he purposed in his heart, when he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with what the world had to offer, that he would be someone different and unique no matter what it cost, and it cost him a lot. And here was Daniel, he said, no, as a teenager, he said, I'm not going that direction. Give me another teenager in the Bible. Okay, Joseph, and did I say Joseph and Mary? Not the same Joseph and Mary that you're thinking of, right? Joseph of the Old Testament, Mary of the New Testament, Mary the mother of Jesus was just a teenager when God said to Mary, blessed art thou among women. She was just a teenager, and God blessed her life in a phenomenal way. Joseph in the Old Testament was just a teenager when, he, first of all, he had a dream that uh, God was going to use him in a unique way. He was just a teenager when his brothers sold him into slavery. He was just a teenager when he, in slavery, was such a reputable person that he began to grow and grow and grow in opportunity and responsibility and goes into Potiphar's house, probably still in his late teens, when he's thrown into jail because he was lied about and has such a great character that he's brought out of jail, now in his 20s, and set second in command over the nation of Egypt. You get the idea. Teenagers, your life isn't just beginning. I mean, this is your golden opportunity in many ways. It really is. So let's read what the Bible has to say about this. In, in the scripture, um, what is the word used to describe our teen years primarily? Youth. That is that word youth. When you see that word youth, as a description of a person, it is typically saying they are in their teen years, maybe into early 20s, but that's what that category is. You have an infant, then you have a child, 
in the Bible, and then you have youth, then you have young man, and then what the rest of us don't like to hear, you have old man, and, and man, just plain man, someplace in between there. So uh, that's kind of the description. When it says youth, it is talking about our teenagers. So let's read some verses. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, Miss Joy. God, without even asking whether or not this is possible, says to this youth, let no man despise thy youth, but be an example. And by the way, our teenagers are often an example to us. You know, a, ch- a church with a, with a youth group that's on fire for God will be a church that's on fire for God. There's something about a youth group that loves God, that just sparks and inspires a congregation. Find a youth group that's dead, and you're finally probably looking at a dead church, or a, 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 a lot kind of dead church. And uh, God says, without apology, without, without saying, is this even possible? He says, absolutely, teenager, you be the example. You set the standard. You be the one to say, I will not defile myself with the king's meat. You be the one to set that standard. In Psalm 71, in verse 5 and verse 17, verse 5 first, please, Brother Tim. Listen to this. From my youth, David says, since I was just a teenager, I have trusted in the Lord. It is not going to be something you grow into, teens. This is where you ought to be. You can say right now in your life, I'm going to trust God to do some things. For instance, you could say, I'm going to trust God to allow me to find a husband without selling out my morality. And you can trust God to do that. It is possible. It may not be popular. And if you watch television, it does not seem that there's anyone on the planet that this is a reality for. But it is possible to live your life pure until you get married. And by the way, can I say it this way? If you live your life pure until you get married, you're still pure. Because in marriage, the marriage relationship is pure, the Bible says, and undefiled. So you do not lose your virginity when you get married. Do you understand that? It is an amazing thing. You never lose your purity. If marriage is in its proper order and place, that's the way God works. We only lose our purity in sin, as far as our, as far as our moral purity. I'm aware that we're sinners, okay? We're not talking about that concept of, of our purity. So it is possible. You can trust the Lord right now. This isn't something you have to wait until you're old and married and wrinkled to trust God. You do it now. And in verse 17, Brother Tim, it says, Now listen, teenagers, and listen, mom and dad. You know, we live in this society, you've heard me say this, we live in this society that has put growing up off so long that it's not even funny. I'm trying to be careful because on Sunday nights we have everybody in here. This is what we do on Sunday nights, and it's great. But, you know, we say to this teenage guy who's, you know, he's turned 13, 
And in every aspect, physically, he's a man. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, he is capable of all manly things at this point in his life. And we look at that teenager and we say, we want you to stay pure until you get married. And then we put marriage off until 30. And we are setting our kids up for disaster. And it's not a really good way to do this. And what we need to understand, moms and dads and teenagers, is that we're capable right now as teenagers. We, you, are capable right now. Uh, I still think of myself that way. What guys? You're capable right now of being taught and of learning about the things of God. And that's what, that's what David says there in Psalm 71. From my youth, I was taught. From my youth, I trusted you. And this isn't something we wait for. And if you're waiting for your kids to grow up to teach them how to be grown up, you've already lost it. This is what we do. Us Baptists, we're so bad about this. We really are. We wait until people are married to teach them how to be married. We wait until they're in debt to teach them how to handle money. You know, we're, always, we're always five steps behind, you know, this thing. And we should be teaching them now. Your 13-year-old should be learning about the things of God and about purity and about preparing for marriage. He's only 13. I don't even want to talk about him going into high school yet, Pastor John. I know. But you and I both know that you blink and it's too late. And all of a sudden, we wish we had taught. We wish we had said. And teenagers are capable of doing great service for God. David, Daniel, Joseph. They're capable of it. They're capable of learning and they're capable of trusting God. We're just struggling to let go. We still look at them and we see that little baby and we just don't want them to grow up. And I know, I know what this is like. I've got kids that, you know, just got through their teen years. I know it's not easy. You don't want to let go. But folks, we've got to teach them now, while they're teenagers, to trust God. Pastor Andrew is doing a great job with your teens. He is. But you understand that it is not his job to raise your kids, right? And the two hours a week that he has them is not going to make up for all the rest of the time. It's not. We've got to do our teenagers. So what I want to do is help you fill out this Youth characteristic chart. So that you understand where teenagers are, where they're coming from, but with in mind what they're capable of. Trusting God and being used of God in powerful ways. Timothy was still a teenager when he pastored his first church. Wow. We can't fathom this. Now the Apostle Paul said to him, let no man despise thy youth. But God and youth together makes an incredible combination. It really is powerful. So let me fill in the chart for you real quick. We're going to start on the side that's marked. If you're, uh, you're going to, you need to be on the correct side that is not marked, uh, that is marked. We're going to start, which one is your start with? Social? We're going to start with that side that marks social first, all right? Are you there? Are you there yet? Have I been saying that lately? 
Those of you who remember, I used to be accused of saying that a lot. I guess I, st I don't know if I do or not. My wife hasn't said you're saying it again, so I'm going to assume maybe I, I haven't been saying it. I want to start with this because this is the fun part. You're going to enjoy this social and emotional place that your teenagers are. And if you have junior hires, uh, that'd be 6th, 7th, 8th grade, maybe into ninth grade, you're going to see them. You're going to, oh, yeah, that is my kid. And if you have high schoolers, you're going to see them and you're in. And if you are a junior higher, please just know that we're not making fun of you. We're not mocking you. Everyone older than you in this room has been through it, all right? Whether they remembered or not, that's another story, but they've been through it. Uh, everyone younger is looking up, and they think junior high is like, it. this is great. And uh, by the way, if I, if, I had, if I had to whittle it down to just a really smaller age group than teens, junior high is the bomb. It is like... It's so much fun. They are just, I know that they're, they're stinky and, and sticky, but they're just so much fun. And uh, I love that age group. So let's take a look. Here's where they are in essence socially. Now this is going to be a, a list that I have gathered over the years. Some of it's not from me. Some of it is from my experience. I was a youth pastor full-time in the ministry at 17. Now, I'm not suggesting that that's a good thing, uh, but it is where I was, all right? So I was in full-time ministry when I was 17, and that's all I've ever really done is full-time ministry. So this is what, you know, I, I'm, and in that, I then youth pastored from 17 till I became a pastor here at 30, okay? So I've got many, many years of youth pastor experience and then many, many years as your pastor. And for the first, oh, I don't know, I've been here 25 years, and for the first 18 or so, 15 at least, I was the only pastor here. So I was your pastor slash youth pastor slash choir pastor slash, you know, it was all those kinds of things. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. And, but it, you know, it's, I, I like it now better. Let me put it that way. Uh, it's even more fun now because now I can just have fun and put this responsibility off on somebody else. So, uh, but, um, so I'm just saying, I'm not just talking off the cuff. You understand? I'm not saying that I'm an expert, but I'm not just talking off the cuff. I've worked with teenagers longer than many of you have been alive. And, and even if you raise kids, I've probably worked with more teenagers than you have. Uh, la we, we counted up last year as we were having our 25th summer of TNT. We've had over 2,500 teenagers come through TNT at this church. At this church. That's, I mean, I, I've, I've just got a lot of experience with it. So let's just jump into this real quickly, all right? Socially, we're going to focus on the junior high side. You can fill in some blanks, all right? There's some blanks that you can write these things in. You know what teenagers are socially, junior hires? They want to be grown up, and they want it now. You know, something magical happened when they turned from 12 to 13, and you wanted to smack them upside the head, but all it is is that they just want to be grown up. They can't wait to uh, drive. They think that they ought to be able to stay up until whenever they want to. They want to be in charge of their lives. They just, they just want to be grown up. They're, they're young people now. They're young men and they're young women, and they just want to be grown up, and they want it, and they want it right now. Everything is instant. And if you think it was bad when I started youth pastoring, you know, many, many years ago, imagine what it is in this society in which everything is instant. 
We wait for nothing. In fact, there is a radio commercial that drives me absolutely crazy. And this guy, you know, goes about how he hates to wait for things. Has anybody ever heard that commercial? He's, you know, if he, if he, and I can't remember all the things he goes through, but, you know, it's like two seconds is too long. And, and that really kind of describes our society. And so if you've been a, if you're now 13, you've grown up in a society in which your parents are impatient. You know, have you ever sat at a stoplight and thought to yourself, how long can this light possibly be? And if you actually watched the clock, you'd find out it was probably about 30, 35 seconds. And, and, but it was long enough to get impatient. What is wrong with us? Really? Have you, ever, have you ever stood at the microwave and thought, I can't believe this is taking so long? <laughs> A microwave! Think about this! <laughs> you know, your grandmother would have to chop the wood and heat the milk up to make the hot chocolate, and we can't wait a minute and 30 seconds for the water to get hot. You know, what is wrong with us? And so these kids have been raised like that. You think it was bad then. These kids want to be grown up. They want it right now. And uh, that's just part of this. They are into hero worship. Now, they're going to deny this. They're going to say, because they like to be thought of as being independent. But I'm telling you, let me give you an example. Um, My son, we were in the parking lot at Suburban when my son was about, you know, just a young kid, younger kid. And here comes a teenager. Oh, can you hear? Walking across the parking lot. And my son is going absolutely ballistic, hitting the window and screaming out. We're like, shut up. I mean, no, that's a bad word. We're like, uh, be quiet. And, and what's going on? We didn't understand what was going on. Because the only thing he wanted was the attention of a teenager. And all of a sudden, this teenager, who's Ryan Chatterton, we called him Chewy, I don't know why, Chewy turns around, hears that there's something happening, sees J.D. and waves. And J.D. smiles real big, he says, he's my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, can't you just see it? It's like, wow, there's nothing more glorious than a teenager, you know, wow. That's what junior hires are. They are going to pick somebody out. And if you're not careful, mom, dad, you let them get on television and pick out the wrong kind of hero, and they're going to be just like him. And you will rue the day that you did not help them find a godly person to mirror their lives after. They are at such a fragile time in their life, and they will just cling on to someone. And it is hard to be a parent of a junior hire. Because the youth pastor is like super cool and can do no wrong. And you all of a sudden got old someplace along the line, you know. And and, and wow, I'll never forget. This is the dichotomy that I was going through as your pastor slash youth pastor. pastor. To the teenagers, I was cool. I was a youth pastor. And then my kids grew up and became teenagers. Now, to the teenagers, I'm still youth pastor, so I'm still cool. To my kids... All of a sudden, they're like, you're going to go on this activity too? Don't we ever get to do anything without you? <laughs> Ouch, you talk about deflating the balloon there. Oh, burst my bubble. That was tough. But these kids are going to find a hero, and they're going to cling on to them, and you need to help them find the right hero. Don't be offen- defensive. 
Don't say, oh, no, you can't, you gotta, dad's got, always got to be the hero. That's just, that's not the real world. It's not. Oh, I suppose if you want to become Amish and the only people they know is you and, you know, great uncle Ned, then you might still be their hero. But the real truth is it's natural for your kids to find someone to look up to. Your goal is not to keep that from happening. Your goal is to guide it to the right person. That's your responsibility. It's going to happen. You need to guide it and help them to find the right kind of hero that they're going to look at. We're just going to get through probably this on the junior higher. I, I know. I, I'm sorry. But next week we'll go in triple speed. All right? I promise. Uh, they are, here's, here's this junior higher. We're still talking about where they are socially, all right? They like to be in a group. You want to devastate a junior hire, single them out. There's nothing worse than, you know, make the mistake as a youth pastor to point some kid out and say, look at their hair. Now, if that's the senior in the group, then he laughs it off and he makes fun of himself because he's past that. But if that's the junior hire, they may never come back again. That's rough on them. They like to be a part of the group, and they're looking for a group to be a part of, and they'll be a part of some group, mom, dad, they're going to be a part of some group. Your job is to steer them to the right kind of group. Can I just say this? That group needs to be more than oriented around an event. You know, I'm not against sports. My kids played all of them, and I've been to more basketball games than I can remember, more soccer games than I can remember, baseball games, softball games. I, I've been, I understand that. But if the group is ungodly and wicked, playing basketball doesn't make that better. Do you understand? They need to be godly. It, it, our job as parents is to, they're going to they're gonna gravitate to a group. We need to make sure that the group that they gravitate, gravitate to is... Some, if you can't look at those kids and say, I, I hope my kid grows up to be like them, then you probably should be looking for a different group. You understand? Now, teenagers, you've got to be the example. It's your job. You can't use them for an excuse. You're 13. Be an example of the believer. That's to you. But mom and dad, we've got to help guide these kids. They're going to they're gravitate to a group. Help them. They like to laugh. Yep. Socially, junior hires, they'll laugh at anything. Oh, I used to do this thing with the teenagers. Now, it, it, probably, it won't work in this setting, probably, although some of you might laugh. But you just kind of sit there in the group, and all of a sudden you go, shoehorn! I knew somebody would laugh. See, it, I don't know what it is about the word shoehorn, but what you do is after you say shoehorn, then you go, ha, 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 and everybody laughs with you. And all of a sudden you stop laughing. You look at them like, what are you laughing at? And they look at you like, I don't know. <laughs> You laughed, I laughed, I mean, we're laughing, it's just, you, know, you had to be there, you got to think like a youth pastor, it's kind of weird, sick and twisted, but uh, they just like to laugh, junior high, and unfortunately, junior highs like to laugh so much, they, they usually laugh inappropriately, you know what I'm saying, I mean, the junior higher, that all, all of a sudden, when there's like this burst of laughter in the middle of the funeral, and it's your kid, and you're crawling at it, it's because they're 13, hello, <laughs> welcome to junior high. They just like to laugh. They don't know what's funny. They don't know why they're laughing. They just like to laugh, and it is what it is. And I'm going to give this last one to you, and we're going to be done. They are very self-conscious. Junior hires are very self-conscious. You know, that's good and bad. What we don't want is to develop. We've got to be careful here. Moms and dads, listen to me. We have, in America, we're so good about building up 
our kids, they become proud if we're not careful. What we don't want is our kids to become self, um, so self-confident that they're no longer trusting in the Lord because we're trusting in ourselves, right? So that's a delicate balance. But this junior hire, he's very self-conscious, and he feels like he looks in the mirror and he's too short, and all of a sudden he's got pimples he's never had before, and he's got a weird haircut, can't get his lay right, and, you know, this girl, she's too tall because girls grow faster. It is the way it is, girls, sorry. And uh, the guys will eventually catch up. You just have to wait. But uh, the girls, so here's this girl. She's too tall, and, she, she, and they're very self-conscious. And they walk into a room, and they feel like everyone is looking at them. And the real truth is nobody even knew they walked in the room. But they feel like everyone is looking at them. Be aware. This is where they are. It's part of being a teenager. It's part of being a junior higher. And our job, mom and dad, is to take where they are and show them how they can be a David and a Joseph and a Daniel. And they can trust God and they can learn the things of the scripture and they can be an example of the believer right where they are. And that's what we're going to be looking at eventually as we get through this. Father, thank you so much for our teenagers.